We live in a world of conflict. Iran, North Korea, Russia. It seems like every other day you hear of a new missile being tested or a boundary being encroached on. But over my lifetime, overall, we have seen a time period of peace. But although that America has not participated in as many military conflicts over the last 30 years as other times in world history, we have been in a spiritual war. See, the problem is, though, is that the church has been lulled to sleep. We've forgotten that we have an enemy. We've forgotten that we must be prepared. And so you cannot be prepared on accident. You must be aware that evil, that Satan and our own flesh wants to destroy our life, our reputation, and our testimony. We're going to pick up there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. It says this, At one time you were darkness, but now you are light. Notice it doesn't say you were in darkness and now you are in the light. It says you were darkness and now you are light in the Lord. It says walk as a children of light. Act like it. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So you used to be in the darkness, but now if you're saved, you are the light. So live like it. He reiterates what we talked about last week. Walk like it. Once again, stop living like an unredeemed and a lost person. And instead, try to learn what pleases God. Search out a way that is to live that is acceptable to God. So you must be on the offensive. The joyful, victorious Christian life does not come on accident. So find what stirs your affections for Christ and do that. The next verse goes on in verse 11. It says, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Here it says, don't be influenced. Don't be influenced by people that are doing wrong. Take a stand. Do what is right. In fact, it tells them to, when someone is doing wrong that we're supposed to expose that. Now, does that mean that we're judgmental and we jump down people's throats? No, but we tell them the truth. Because in order to help someone, you have to tell the truth. And the truth is, is that sin hurts them. And the Bible tells us that the truth can make us free. And here's the truth, that God is good and that sin is death. See, with teenagers, by the way, I love the teenagers sat up here in the front. Let's give them a round of applause. Man, I love seeing those fresh faces look down at their phones the whole time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. They weren't doing that. But uh, teenagers often with, they have friends many times. And even a good teenager, you know, quote, unquote. They'll have a friend that we're like, well, I'm friends with them. And I know they're messed up in some things. And they're, they're, they're really not a great uh, example for me, but I'm, try- I'm their only friend that is doing what's right. But see, the problem with that is that if you aren't telling them what is right and wrong, then you're not influencing them. They are influencing you. So does that mean that we only have Christian friends? No, obviously not. We can't reach out into the world if we only have Christian friends. But it, what it does mean is that we live like Christians even when we're around our friends that aren't. See, the church has gotten too comfortable. 
We forgot that we're in a spiritual war. Now, the battle's not with people. The Bible says the battle is not with flesh and blood, but with spiritual wickedness in high places. See, we're in a battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And because of that spiritual battle we're in, we need to wake up. Did I get anybody right there? We need to wake up. Verse 14 says this, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What is that saying? It's saying stop hitting your spiritual snooze button. Hey, I'll connect with God tomorrow. Uh, snooze. I'll reach out and encourage someone later. Snooze. I, I don't like helping. I don't feel like helping anyone today. I just want to be alone. Snooze. I'll pray later. I'll search for God's word another time. Snooze. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. But Pastor Phil, I go to church. No, no, no. no. Church is where we gather together and we celebrate Christ together. But we need to wake up in our personal walk with God. Here's the real question. To judge where you are in your Christian walk. When was the last time you connected with God outside of these walls? The next verse goes on and says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as wise, but as wise. Look at this next verse. It says, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. See, we need to be careful where we walk. We need to be wise about every step in our lives. Why? Because we only have a limited amount of time on this earth. It's so easy to fall into the trap of apathy and distraction. It's easy to coast through life making foolish and unwise decisions. But we need to make the best use of our time. Why? Because the days are evil. Someone once said, live today with your eulogy in mind. And we need to be conscious of the fact that our life does not go on forever here on this earth. We must be on guard. Someone also must said that, Undesignated time does not tend toward the most important things. Undesignated time does not tend towards the most important things. If you start your day, how many of you ever got done this at work before? You didn't really have anything on the agenda that was really, really important. So you sat down in your office or, or at work and it was just like, all right, I'm going to get a lot of things done today. And by the end of the time, you realize it's three o'clock and you really haven't done anything that was important at all. And see, the same thing happens with our kids. Many times we, we tell them, hey, you're the most important. We believe that they're the most important thing in our lives. But it's so easy to sacrifice the most important things in our lives because of the urgent things in our lives. And see, urgent doesn't always equal important. See, the office could call and say, hey, I need you to come in. But that might not be as important as spending time with your family that night. See, we need to be careful about the time that we have on this earth. Why? Because it is limited. Ephesians 17, or verse 17, says this. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here's saying, look, you need to be connected with Christ so that you can understand what God's will is for your life. Well, where's God's will? How can you know God's will? The will of God is in the word of God. You guys say that back to me. It's up on the screen. It's easy. The will of God is, the word, is in the word of God. One more time. The will of God is in the word of God. Hey, look, don't make 
foolish mistakes because you're motivated by selfish desires, stop, take time, pray fast, and search God's word for counsel. Verse 18 goes on and says this, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. See, people drink to change how they feel, but we can do other things to escape from reality as well. We can fill ourselves with relationships, with pornography, with busyness. We can fill ourselves with other things and, and substitute whatever there that you rely on to cope with life, whatever you lean on rather than Jesus. See, many of us are not joyful and not happy, and instead we try and cope and numb the pain in our lives with things or with people. But Paul is saying here there is another way to get help. There is another way to live by relying on the Spirit of God. Give me one second. I got to get back here. Anybody know what this looks like? Uh, several of the band members were pretty worried when I brought this back there. Uh, but there's a pre preacher one time that gave this illustration. He pulled out a bottle of alcohol and he said, Dude, and he, he had a whole full bottle of Jack Daniels. I just made one look like, you know, it was alcohol. I don't know if I'm going to the store and spending money on that, but uh, he said, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And he said, look, this, what this verse is saying that alcohol does to one negatively, the Holy Spirit wants to do to one positively. But see, no one gets under the influence of alcohol by just looking at it. No one gets under the influence of alcohol by just being near it. No, you have to partake in the alcohol in order to be under the influence of the alcohol. See, some of you are here with us today, but you're really not partaking in anything. And you're going to leave the same exact way because so far, when we worshiped, you didn't worship. When we prayed, you didn't pray. When we read the Bible, you weren't following along. When we clapped our hands, you didn't clap. When we raised our hands, you didn't raise your hand. When we raised our voices saying, you, you didn't partake in anything, and so you're going to leave the exact same way that you came in. See, there's something that we can learn from an alcoholic because an alcoholic has a thirst. And see, that's how he gets under the influence of alcohol. But see, Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What you thirst for is what you're going to be filled with. What you thirst for is what you're going to be filled with. People tell me all the time, Pastor Phil, you're so passionate. Pastor Phil, you're so excited, and I appreciate all that. But shouldn't we all be that way? Hey, we get excited when we talk about sports. We get excited when we talk about movies. I watched a, a, a video of some people watching the new Avengers trailer. And they were just this two-minute little excerpt of what uh, this new Marvel movie was going to look like. And people are like jumping up and down and they're so exciting and they're gasping and they're just like overwhelmed by this two-minute trailer of these adults that are running around in costumes and a raccoon that shoots a gun. But see, we have the greatest story that's ever been told. Hey, we have a God that came down to dwell among us and to walk among us. Why? Because he loved us so much. He loved us with an infinite love. And God himself died on the cross and he went into a tomb. Then he rolled that gravestone away and stepped back out alive. Praise the Lord. See, the disciples were so excited and passionate about that that one day people accused them of being drunk. 
So here's the thing. Why aren't you passionate? Why aren't you excited about this? See, someone that hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be filled. Someone that fills themselves with the things of the Holy Spirit will be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. See, an alcohol has a thirst for it, and that's why he gets filled with it. He keeps partaking of it, and he keeps partaking of it, and he keeps partaking of it, and eventually the alcohol overtakes him. Eventually it changes his walk, right? Eventually it changes his talk, right? Hey, man, what you talking about? <laughs> Y'all don't know what to think, do you? It changes his walk. It changes his talk. He starts loving on people he don't even know. Hey, man, what are you talking about? Oh, boy, I ain't seen you in forever. Oh, man, let me give you a kiss. Mwah. Starts loving on people he doesn't even know. He starts laughing. <laughs> no one knows why he's laughing, but he's just laughing. Why? Because the alcohol overtook him. No, no, no. Don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, if we keep partaking on the things of God and partaking on the things of God, we will eventually be overtaken by the things of God. And everybody's going to know it. Why? Because your walk is going to be different. And your talk is going to change. And you're going to start loving on people that you don't even know. You're going to have joy when everybody else is like, why is he happy? See, you have to be under the influence to do the things in the Bible. You have to be under the influence to love your enemies. doesn't make sense. You have to be under the influence to bless those that curse you. You have to be under the influence to pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you. You have to be under the influence to turn the other cheek. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. J.D. Greer says this, alcohol is a depressant that makes you less aware of your surrounding, and that is how it provides comfort. But the Holy Spirit is going to help you by making you more aware to the reality of God. Alcohol gets rid of worry by making you forget. But the Holy Spirit helps you get rid of worry by helping you remember who God is. Alcohol gives you courage by making you unaware of the dangers that are around you. But the Holy Spirit gives you courage by showing you how much larger God is than all of our fears. Alcohol adds excitement to your life by giving you a cheap thrill. But the Spirit adds excitement to you by taking you into the presence of God where the fullness of God and joy dwell. See, Paul is saying just like a man would be influenced and controlled by wine, we can be influenced and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying turn to the Holy Spirit and not to something else that will just dull your senses or distract you from the problems that you have in your life. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's money, relationships, they won't fill you. Next, he goes on here in verse 19 and says this. He tells us some ways to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He's saying, hey, Christians, sing together. Hey, Christians, sing to each other the goodness of God. It says, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Next, he says, give thanks when always. For what? For everything to God. The Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why should we submit to one another? Out of reverence for Christ. Not because of them and who they are, because of who Christ is. Paul reminds us that we're in a war between darkness and light. 
and that we need to wake up. We need to be careful. We need to stand firm. We need to make sure that we're not being influenced by the darkness, but we're standing as a light in the darkness. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit and be filled by it in order to withstand the attacks of the devil. Hey, stop coping your way through life and live an alive life. Stop striving in your life and thrive in your Christian walk. We need to wake up. Now he shows us some ways in these verses we just read that we can be filled with the Spirit. First he says, sing. Sing. Well, I'm not a singer. Hey, you need to be a singer. Whether it sounds good or not, you need to learn how to worship. Why? Because that's one of the things that God gave you to help you through this life. Not just with our voices, but with our heart. Sing to God. Sing to each other how good God is. Hey, there's not much more that's encouraging to me than when this room is filled with the sound of God's people lifting up their voices in praise. I also want to encourage you that if you're struggling, find a good worship song and sing that encouragement to your heart. When you're alone, you have a bad day at work, Find a worship song that speaks to your heart and go and find a time and a place and sing that to yourself. The song Come to Me by Aaron Schuess was one of those songs for me in a really hard time in my life. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was. I had nothing. And that song says, come to me, all those that are weary, for I will give you rest. Just like the Bible tells us. Go find a place to get alone if you're struggling and sing that song, Good, Good Father. And see what happens. Next, he says, give thanks. I know Thanksgiving was last week, but we should live with Thanksgiving. If you're discouraged, make a list of all the things that you have and all the things that you're thankful for and tell God. And lastly, he says to submit to each other. Another word for submit is yield. And I think most of us know what that means. We're getting on the bypass and cars are buzzing by us at 80 miles an hour. We're coming on an on-ramp and you have a decision to make. You can say me first or you can say, all right, go ahead. You can get in an accident or you can let them pass by. But too many of us in our lives, we get in accidents with people because we say me first. Hey, I want my opinion to be heard. Hey, do you know how I would do that if I was you? Hey, uh, you see this around here? This, this was a mistake. You should have done it my way. Why? Because we're not yielding. We're not submitting to one another. And instead, we ought to say, no, 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 go ahead. You first. You first. See, when you make yourself number one, you will be left with no one. When you make yourself number one, you will be left with no one. Allow others to go first. Submit to one another. Serve one another. How can you live this victorious Christian life in the light? The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Do you need some help being filled with the Spirit? Well, partake of the things of God till God overtakes you. Worship, give thanks, think of others when times get tough. Don't sit around in self-pity. Let's put down whatever we're turning to to, to to help us through and instead rely on the Holy Spirit. There's a quote by Francis Schaeffer. It says this. There is nothing more ugly in all the world, nothing that turns more people aside than dead orthodoxy. You know, the fact is, is this, is that many people in our world have been in churches at times, and they didn't want it. 
They said, oh, this? This is what church is? Oh, I thought it was going to be something way different. And see, my prayer is this, is that no one would ever walk through those back doors and say, wow, this is really boring. Hey, look, they can disagree. They can think, uh, you know, the Bible is a false book, but let them never come in this room and say it's not alive in here. See, my prayer is under the influence of the Holy Spirit, our worship would be alive. Our preaching would be alive. Our love and community with one another would be alive. Not fake. And if you only do it in this room, if you only worship and you only sing praises and you only pray in this room, then it's fake, okay? You got to do it at home. It's got to come out of your personal walk with God. I'm done this morning, but I'm going to ask you to do something I don't normally do. I want to ask you if you're a church member or just someone that loves this church, to come down this morning as the band comes. I'm going to ask you to pray for our church. Pray that we never be cold and dead. Pray that the Holy Spirit would always move through these pews. And also thank God for the growth. Thank God for the baptisms. Thank God for the new church members. Hey, an unthankful church is going to be a church that God stops blessing. Thank God for the salvations. Hey, we're in a spiritual war, and we cannot take what God is doing for granted. And we must never be complacent and never be satisfied with less than God has for us. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you, that if you love this church, if you're a member to come down and give thanks for what God has done for us. To find someone to pray with. Here in a few minutes after this, we're going to take some time to make melody with our hearts. And hey, if you're not comfortable and you can't make your way, I'm going to ask you to, to make your pew an altar. And to spend time thanking God for what he's done. Asking God, let us never be dead. Let us never be ineffective. Because the moment we become dead is a moment we come ugly to this community. Why do we want to do this? Because we want an alive church. A church that is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Let's take a moment to ask God, let us, God, let us never be dead. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, we're not looking for an emotional experience. God, we're looking for a Holy Spirit experience. Thank God for what he's done. I think we're getting over it. The growth that God has given this church in, in three or four months is astounding. And, and don't you dare point a finger at me. It is not me. We serve a God that deserves to be thanked and praised for it. If you've been one of those church members that have been around this church for a long time and you've seen through the hard times, you know what it means. Let us never get complacent and never get satisfied. Let's ask God to continue to grow us. Not for our glory, but for his glory and for this town. Let's ask God to give us a vision that's as big as his vision for what he wants to do with this church. You pray.
Dear Jesus, thank you. God, thank you. God, help us to be the church that you want us to be. God, help us to put our agenda to the side and to submit ourselves to your agenda. God, help us to prepare outside these walls. God, help us to be a light outside these walls. God, this world is so dark. God, and this world needs you. God, I pray you fill us, Lord. God, help us to partake in the things of God and partake in the things of God and partake until you overtake us. God, I pray you change our walk, change our talk. Help us to love people we don't even know. God, help us have joy when it doesn't make sense. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit, God, so that when we're out in the community, God, people ask us, why? Why we're different? God, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.